Extra Daily Planet Extra. Hey folks, welcome to the first episode of Man of Screen Extra. My name is Mike Zumo, and I want to take a few minutes to introduce you to uh, this new concept. One of the things you run into during an index show is that sometimes you just want to talk on a different topic. Covering something specific like Superman on the screen through the years doesn't really give you the opportunity to do that. So what, what I've come up with is, as I did with in March with the Man of Steel commentary and the uh, review I did, episode I did on Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice was, I called those specials. But then I kind of, like I said, once in a while, like the muse takes me somewhere else for it and I want to do a special episode on something else. This Man of Screen Extra is going to be something that does that. Something that gives me an outlet to uh, discuss other topics. Originally, I was going to call it Man of Screen Monthly, but... I didn't really want to be committed to a monthly extra show in the event that I had nothing to talk about. So, what I decided to do was basically call this Man of Screen Extra, and what's going to happen is this is going to be intermittent. You know, I'm not going to say it's going to be monthly or anything, because these episodes will come out whenever I have something to say about a certain topic, and uh, sometimes I'll have guests like I do this time around. And like I said, it's going to add a little more of a different flavor to the podcast. So with that said, uh, this week I'll be joined by Bob Fisher of Superman Forever Radio and Giant Superman Podcast and Rebecca Johnson of Supergirl Radio. And we are going to talk about the role of Superman and his usage on the Supergirl television show, which airs on CBS. I'm going to be honest, one of my issues that I've had with the show has been his usage by the writers. I don't know if it's a rights thing or what, but they've really handled Superman poorly, and that's something we're going to discuss on today's episode. One of my fears when Supergirl was conceived is how the creative team was going to handle the 500-pound gorilla in the room, which obviously is Superman, because Supergirl by definition, is a derivative character of the originally created Superman. I was curious about how that was going to be handled going forward into the show. I was going to wonder, was he going to have died? Will he just be there in the background? And so, there's that. But however, one thing I do want to stress before we get into our discussion for this episode is that I enjoyed the show very much. This is just one aspect of the show that myself and a couple of others have had an issue with, and it's something that I hope the creative teams on the show handle better as the show hopefully goes forward into Season 2. So, with that being said, I am going to take a short break, I'm going to play a promo, and I'm going to come back with Bob Fisher and Rebecca Johnson. Hang around. After the theatrical cartoons, after the movie serials, a new medium 
help define an icon for generations to come. The Adventures of Superman. Join Mike Zumo as the Man of Screen podcast enters the next phase with a year-long look at the 1950s television series The Adventures of Superman, starring George Reeves as Clark Kent and Superman. No comment until the time limit is up. Phyllis Coates as Lois Lane during season one. What are you afraid of? What are you hiding? And Noel Neal as Lois Lane starting in season two. Why did you wait? Jack Larson as Jimmy Olsen. Mr. Kent is Superman. John Hamilton as Perry White. Don't call me Chief! And Robert Shane as Inspector Henderson. I don't want excuses, I want action. So, follow along Mike and some possible guest hosts for an in-depth analysis of The Adventures of Superman, starting in June at supermanpodcastnetwork.com and manofscreen.podomatic.com. This is a job for Superman. I mean, I've got to find it. All right, folks, welcome back to Man of Screen Extra. Like I said, I got two uh, guests on the line today. Uh, First and foremost, we probably have the man who remembers when Supergirl was introduced. So, (laughs) Uh, from uh, Superman Forever Radio and uh, Giant Superman Podcast, say hello. I'd like to welcome him, Bob Fisher. Hello, and yes, I do remember. <laughs> that was that was what action two fifty two, I believe. Two fifty two, yeah, and uh, I totally destroyed it as a kid, and it cost me a pretty penny to get it back as an adult too. But uh, yeah, two fifty two, I remember it. All right, and my other uh, special guest. Uh, no uh, Supergirl conversation will be complete without the host of Supergirl Radio. I have Rebecca Johnson. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I just want to say one thing. I enjoyed this show. I thought it did wonders for the character of Kara Zorel. So, yeah, I didn't think beforehand that really this character was maybe taken as seriously as she could have been. You know, even earlier this, as the show was going on, a bunch of my friends said, really, you're watching that? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I have enjoyed her growth throughout the season. I definitely thought they got their feet under them a little bit more after they finished the past 13, the first 13. It seemed like the first 13, they were doing their checklist. Let's get Mm. the Toy Man. Let's do Red Kryptonite. Let's do this and that. But the show definitely seemed to move on. So get its feet under it better after the, uh, as they were moved on toward the season finale. So let's start with uh, Bob. What is your origin with Supergirl in general? Well, in general, it was as a kid reading the comic books when, uh, boom, there she was. They had tried it several times. I had read comics as a kid where either uh, Superboy turned into a girl and was mm-hmm. sister, was called Super Sister. That's a fun story. Um, but uh, they had tried several times to, to do a female super girl. Uh, and it just didn't really stick until... Uh, that Action 252, and then they made uh, her strip be the backup strip in Action Comics. And uh, I've talked to my uh, partner, John M. Wilson, from Giant Superman about this a lot. Um, Supergirl in the backup in Action was really way ahead of its time as far as uh, storytelling in comic books for the time. As I've said before, in most comic books of the day, you got uh, one, two, or three stories per comic. Uh, a story didn't go beyond the comic you just bought off the rack. Uh, 
Supergirl, on the other hand, almost from the beginning, from her inception in Action Comics, she became the backup strip. And they were telling long-form stories, her eight-page or ten-page story in the, uh, in the back of the Action Comics continued to the next Action Comics. And a storyline would go on for eight, nine, ten, twelve issues or more. Uh, the Silver Age Supergirl is the closest you will find to the Melissa Benoist Supergirl we're seeing on TV. They've, they're throwing in elements of all of the other genres that I really love. They've, they've dropped hints about almost every era of Superman and Supergirl. But the attitude that they're giving us from her, the feeling of wanting to do the best she can, being just a really positive uh, role model, that's straight out of the, uh, the Silver Age Supergirl. And that's why I think they're doing so well with it and capturing such a wide audience from an old guy like me to, you know, young. Uh, I have a, a grandniece who's five. She can't get enough of this. They have to force her to take off her Supergirl T-shirt now. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those. So, yeah, I, that's my origin is really from the comics. And from the beginning, I have just loved this character. And uh, and I feel like I almost have to say in the beginning, because I am going to say some negative stuff here tonight about the show. But I love this show. And Melissa Benoist and particularly Callista Flockhart. I think she is just knocking it out of the park. I love those two together in their scenes. So uh, we'll get more to that about what I think. But yeah, that's my origin with Supergirl. It definitely took me uh, a little while to warm up the cat, but uh, I, I really like where they took <laughs> her character during this season. All right. So yeah, I just think she's terrific. All right. So Rebecca, before the series, uh, where did you know Supergirl from? I actually first heard about Supergirl through Supergirl the movie with Helen Slater. Uh, it came out in 1984, and I was pr- I was I was four years old when that movie came out, but I kind of grew up with it on TV. It would air on TV, and so I used to watch that a lot when I was a kid. I loved that movie, and now watching it as an adult, it is kind of cheesy and <laughs> not not such a great film. But Helen Slater's performance is still something I love. I still love the campiness of the villains and what that story is and kind of how they portray everything. And I was kind of wondering, as Bob, as you were talking about the Silver Age Supergirl, I wondered if the the movie was also kind of a reflection of that as well. But that's kind of where I came into Supergirl. Of course, later... I would get into comics and Superman and watch, you know, Superman the animated series and the the whole DCAU Justice League Unlimited. Uh, I would watch Smallville, and so I saw Laura Vandervoort's portrayal. So I've kind of gone with her in every incarnation that she's had on uh, on the screen, and so now I'm kind of the, within the last year and a half or so, I've kind of been diving into the comics and and re-encountering her there. Uh, so I, I've, I've enjoyed getting to know her throughout the various ways she's been presented. Right. Yeah, I started, I too uh, started uh, with Supergirl with the uh, Helen Slater movie. I was probably about three years old, three years old when it came out. And, uh, you know, my, my father had it on a videotape along with the other, <laughs> yeah, along with the other <laughs> Superman movies. I didn't really come to, to the comics full time until probably the early 90s, right around uh, the time of the death. So I remember opening up those books, seeing Supergirl, and I couldn't figure out why she was dating Lex Luthor. 
<laughs> yeah, that is a that is a weird kind right. of uh, different. I, I shouldn't say weird. It's just a different version of Supergirl than most people right. are used to. Okay, I have a hard time calling that version Supergirl. Right. I was reading it. I was like, wait a minute. She's not because I knew the movie. So I knew right. Kara. I knew Kara Zor-El. So I'm like, wait, not Superman's cousin. She can turn yeah. invisible. She can turn into a pink blob when she gets punched. Right. <laughs> what, what, what's going on here? And then there. And then things got really weird with the Peter David run. And then finally around, I guess what, it was around uh, 2001, 2002 when Jeff Lowe brought Kara back. Around then during the Superman Batman storyline. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a Kara a, a that, that I liked. One that was, that kind of came to Earth as a late teen. You kind of had to lo- learn learn on the fly, you know. You and uh, Rebecca, you, I heard you and Teresa talk about this leading up to the show, how she would kind of learn on the job, make, make mistakes, our good intentions were kind oh, of oh, yeah. getting oh, yeah. get in her own way. You know, and, and I liked uh, seeing her seeing her grow, and, at least until, uh, for the, until the new 52, and, uh, you know, every time someone tried to help her, she'd punch them in the face, especially if they were <laughs> Superman. So that, that's pretty much uh, where, I, where I came, uh, my kind of evolution with Supergirl. And like like I said, I'm I'm glad that this show came, came along. You know, my daughter's about four right now, so she's a little young to sit and watch an hour long show. But I'm looking forward to when she can, you know, sit down and uh, and watch that show. Yeah, I liked Helen Slater movie too, uh, even though I was a full grup when it was in the movie right. theaters. And, <laughs> you know, and saw it there. Um, I enjoyed it, but you know, there are some cringeworthy moments. But um, you know, I kind of come from the uh, the old Walt Disney philosophy that for your hero to be, uh, you know, truly believable as a hero, your villain must be equally bad. And well, if you look at back at that all, well. of, yeah, isn't that great? Because if you look back at all of those wonderful Disney movies, even as little kids, we'd go see Sleeping Beauty and well, all of them. The the Wicked Witch or the bad person in any of those movies scared the bejeebies out of little kids. And I've always thought my villains, I want my villains to be really, really scary. And I think that was one of the downfalls in both the Donner movies and uh, the Supergirl movie is that while there's some really good scenes, so many times they were using the villain as comic relief. And that just takes me right out of it, you know, but looking at them now as an adult, I can still enjoy them. I can go to that part of my brain and just put it in and say, well, it's not Helen Slater's fault. You know, it's, it's right. not the actor's fault here. They're doing uh, uh, a fine job. So I have no problem. She, she wore the S I think honorably as well. I, would I think agree. we've been yeah, actually pretty too. fortunate uh, in live action super family. We've had some really good uh, Superman and Supergirls now. Uh, no, we definitely have. Yeah, I think we've been pretty lucky. Stories haven't always been great, but at no. least the actors <laughs> have have always been there. So I feel pretty good about right. that. Well, one one of the things that with Supergirl in live action, one of the big uh, five hundred pound gorillas in the room has always been Superman. Mm-hmm. And even uh, the Heaven, Helen Slater film had to had to deal with him the fact that he was in the universe, which, right. by the way, I believe does make that the first shared universe. I would agree with that as well. I actually got into a little Twitter skirmish over that (laughs) technicality with someone else uh, because I believe it's a shared universe because uh, 
uh, is it Mark McClure's yep, Mark Jimmy McClure Olsen? Yes, um, he's he's in that movie. They have a poster of Christopher Reeve's Superman in there, and so even if it's not like a built universe, you know, a built universe like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the the new DCEU, even if it's only two movies, that's a shared universe. It's absolutely a shared universe. Yeah. I hadn't actually thought of it in those terms. And he was accounted for. Uh, he was accounted for. The radio and- that he was out in space. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And all of the things that you just mentioned, Rebecca, he was in that movie uh, without being there. I mean, and it was Christopher Reeve. They didn't hide that poster. They didn't make him out to be, you know, uh, a pixeled face or something. That was Christopher Reeve. They're saying in that movie. Even even, uh, Lucy Lane uh, references her sister Lois in there, which, of course, would have been Margot Kidder's. I just now thought about that. (laughs) That's another added bonus there. So I hadn't actually thought of it in that term as a, quote, shared universe, because that might even just be a new term anyway in the whole, you know, uh, comic book thing now. But but there's no question that Superman, Christopher Reeve Superman, and all of his characters existed in the same universe as Helen Slater and all of those people. And I actually do believe Christopher Reeve was initially going to be in the film but from what i read at the last minute he decided not to do it yeah i've read conflicting things that uh, he didn't want to do it and he didn't think he was physically capable at that point right and uh then it got too late and then budget and then uh, so many of the superman movies suffer from budget last minute changes and scripts and budgets and you know cinematographer a gets changed over for b and then all of a sudden you know, 20 minutes in, it's like a different movie. Right, you know, speaking of Superman movies that have suffered, not to get too far off topic, but Superman 4, which definitely suffered from it. Yes. That's the first Superman movie that I actually remember going <laughs> to the movies to see. Uh-huh. So even though looking back, watching it now, I know it's a horribly made movie. There's still nostalgia for that movie for me, even though I Oh, absolutely. Badness. I can see that as, you know, if, it, if you're a kid and you're seeing any one of those four movies for the first time as a kid, uh, you know, I, I was a full-blown adult when I saw uh, the first Christopher Reeve movie. I saw it at the uh, Washington, D.C. premiere opening uh, when it was first. It was a big right. deal. I didn't know it was a big deal. Uh, until after the movie, I knew that when we got there, there was a lot of cop cars and spotlights and all this stuff going on. But I thought, wow, this is pretty cool for a movie because it was going to be shown like a week before it hit Richmond. It was going to be shown in Washington and we're only 90 minutes away. And I thought, Hey, first Superman movie ever I'm going. Yeah. So I found out the next day, actually that in the theater where I was watching that movie with my wife and her little brother was Jimmy Carter, <laughs> the president of the United States, and his daughter Amy, and the vice president and the Secret Service, and a whole bunch of other political and bigwigs. Christopher Reeve was there. I, I had no idea. No idea. So uh, Mike Bailey is very jealous, but I keep telling him, Mike, I had no idea. It wasn't like I got to shake anybody's hands or anything. You know? That's so, still really awesome, yeah, though. Yeah, that is. <laughs> so it's an, it's an awesome afterthought to know that, yeah, I was there with the president, and I saw Superman. Yeah, <laughs> right, I was there. But even that movie, when, when Christopher Reeve from the fortress, at the back of the fortress, when he flies towards the camera and then just waves and goes off, there was a cheer in that audience. And I got, right now, I got a chill on the back of my neck just talking about that. That was cool. <laughs> Ooh, don't get goosebumps very often anymore. That was a good one. I guess I'll start with with Rebecca for this one. As far as the relationship between Superman and Supergirl, you know, kind of for you, what's kind of the ideal relationship between the two characters? 
the ideal relationship. Yeah. Well, I I always do like it when they are in the same story together and having a, a familial bond where they're where they get to connect as family, as cousins, and they're able to bring something to each other that the other person lacks. Because, you know, for, for Clark, for Kal-El, you know, he didn't get to grow up on Krypton. He didn't get to experience the culture and, uh, you know, his family. He didn't get to know them. So for Kal-El, Kara brings that into his life. She can help him understand the culture and help him understand his family and get to know his family through her experience. And Kara, you know, her entire planet is gone and all of her family is gone. And here's Kal-El, who she can now share these things with. So ideally for me, if you're going to have a Supergirl story, it is, uh, for me, I, I enjoy those moments where they get to connect on that level, where they get to bring something um, to each other and kind of compliment each other. Um, but yeah, for for Supergirl on, on the TV show, it, it's kind of hard because <laughs> because of the lack of Superman or the lack of Clark, it's hard to get that kind of connection, even though I know they've tried that with the IM chats that you see Kara right. having at CatCo. They try to get it to where he's talking to her, but they're not talking about things like Krypton or getting to know each other as family. They just use it as a way for her, for him to encourage her as a hero, which is great, but it, it is a little bit lacking in, in the way I enjoy their relationship. What do you think, Bob? Uh, I kind of uh, agree with, you know, with Rebecca here a lot in that um, I like that part of the relationship. And I think I heard Rebecca, you actually say this at one point of, uh, a few weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast you were on and you really put that so well that that Superman grew up here. Krypton isn't even a memory, really. Now, in the Silver Age, he had, yes, little this and that and little devices he could put on, <laughs> use super recall and have vivid memories of all that. But in modern, in the modern world, Superman left there as an infant. He was a baby. He has no memories. His memories are of Smallville and the farm and, you know, lifting up trees and tractors and, you know, <laughs> growing up as a Midwestern, you know, stronger bigger, better than average kid, but still a Midwest American. He's a Kansas boy trying to do the right thing. Kara. I almost said Kara. I'm trying to get. <laughs> it's tempting. I know. I grew up with Kara. Now Just it's don't call Kara. her Kara. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I actually like Kara. Now that I've gotten used to trying to say Kara, I think it sounds a little more, I don't know, unusual or something. So I'm kind of falling into the Kara thing. But um but the fact that she basically was either, depending on the story you read, a young teenager uh, or I guess in Supergirl, the, the TV show, she was maybe 12 or so-ish. Um, but that's old enough. You grow up. You have attachments. You have bonded. You know. You have lived. You know these people. And um, that is all ripped away from you in the, in the origin story of Superman the the heartbreak is not Kal-El's heartbreak the heartbreak of his origin story to me is Lara that's and that's what i love so much about the man of steel movie you you saw in her Lara his mother what the real heartbreak of the Kal-El origin story is with Kara her heartbreak the heartbreak in her origin story is on both. The parents that realize what is happening 
that she they must give up their daughter, the same as Jor-El and Lara. But in this case, Kara also feels the heartbreak of having to leave the only parents, the only life, the only world she's ever known to go off on this mission. And it's the mission, which I love that they, they emphasize that in the show. It was her mission to take care of her little cousin. She gets here. He's grown up. She's got to start all over. That story alone right there, starting from scratch. If a guy walked into a, an executive's office and said, hey, I got an idea and just pitches that the heartbreak of a woman having to give up her daughter to go to this strange place. And then we're going to follow the daughter's life. Holy moly. I'm, where do I sign up for this? Right. <laughs> and now they make it as a superhero show. Oh, please. Yes, I'm I'm there. But to me, that's their relationship. And I love that. And I think it would even work better. And I think we'll get into this. I think they've got two choices with Superman, either bring him in the show or don't bring him in the show. Right. Yeah, that, that's where I am, too, because because okay. now it seems like they're trying to kind of have their their cake and eat it, too. I mean, I don't know what the actual deal is. I don't know if they're not allowed to use him, don't want to use him. Or, or I what? think their big I think their big decision that they really haven't decided yet internally is when he makes an appearance and if this show continues down the line second third fourth season Superman will have to make an appearance in this show. I personally think if they decide to go down that road and I think this is one of the things they're probably trying to decide is how do they bring him in and who's going to play the guy. We hear fandom all over the place saying, oh, it's got to be Dean Cain. It's got to be Tom Welling. It's got to, you know, my personal opinion, bring in somebody we've never seen or Henry Cavill make a quick guest appearance, come in, do his bit and go. And that solves it for the next two years. I think it's got to be somebody new. because It has to be somebody Because new. if they bring in somebody who's done it before or even Cavill who's doing it now, you bring that Superman's baggage with you. Exactly. And the show doesn't need that. The show doesn't need that. The show well, actually, Go ahead, Barry. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't even think it's technically possible for it to be Henry Cavill because of the Man of Steel prequel comic, unless they, unless they forego that and say that's not canon anymore, it's not a big right. deal, we're, we're just going to act like that didn't happen. But according to the Man of Steel prequel comic, she has a... Kara has a totally different backstory. That right. she They're comes... two she different co- universes. Yeah, yeah. She comes to Earth... In one of the scout ships, so it's it's a totally different story. So right. I don't think that if they're going by the Man of Steel prequel comic, they they can't connect Henry Cavill to this universe uh, uh, that's set up in the CBS Berlanti universe. So I think it would absolutely have to be someone new. No, right there, there's it would have to be somebody new, and and I think they 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 do have the problem, and this is and we're even doing it. The big white elephant in the room. We don't even know how to really talk about Superman, whether he should be in the show or not. To me, if you're going to be in the show, I think they've handled it so well in so many different times where it's just, you know, a streak, there he goes, or a quick comment, just, oh, he's off planet. I think the thing that really irritated me almost more than any other thing they've done in the show, and I guess we're getting there now, aren't we? We are, we're getting there. (laughs) We're getting there is the fact that if you're going to mention him, if you're going to say in the beginning of the show, Superman's off-world. He's off-planet. He's doing whatever. Kellex, are you here? How may I assist you, Lady Khan? Where's Kal-El? I can't find him anywhere on Earth. Kal-El is attending to a matter off-world. 
bingo, you've taken care of it in one sentence. I don't have to think about Superman for the rest of this episode. It's Supergirl's show. And leave him there. And now leave him off planet. Don't bring him back just so he can be used as a prop or a weakness to say, oh, see how great Supergirl is? Because it didn't affect her. Superman, he's coming to help. He is? Where is he? Oh my God, what's happening to everyone? There he is, there he is. Who? Superman? Where? What? What? Oh God, no. What is it? I'm here yet. It's, it's affecting my cousin too. If it only targets humans, why was my cousin affected? Nature versus nurture. Maybe an alien, but your cousin grew up on Earth. Seems like environmental factors being raised by ordinary people made his brain more human. The Man of Steel, brought to his knees all because he went to kindergarten and watched Sesame Street. <laughs> oh, please. It was totally unnecessary. Uh, We've yeah. got to keep Superman as Superman. And in fact, it ruins in that p- p- same episode. And see, I am getting a little into it here, but the, it, it does ruin the end of that. The I am chat at the end. If Superman, every time we've seen him except once, when in the beginning he flashed in and Kara kind of sees him through her little eyes as she kind of passes out. Remember that? He came in, yep. uh, blocked the bullets. Was, and I thought That was very well, early on. Very early on. Third the episode, third episode. Mm-hmm. And that was so good. They brought him in. We didn't really see him. He did his job. He flashed out. Now he's gone. Yay! Okay. But if you bring him in and then he has weaknesses, he's weaker than her, he's not as fast as she is, he's not as this or that, all these other problems that Superman apparently is having that Supergirl isn't, then the chat at the end with him saying, hey, I'm so proud of you, and maybe one day you will, but what do you mean? What? She's already past you now. You don't need to make Superman look weak in order for Supergirl to look strong. Absolutely. And I think every time they weaken Superman or make him look stupid... It, it makes the show look stupid. It doesn't make her look any better. And then the little chat at the end doesn't make any sense. It, it, it's, it just doesn't make any, it doesn't fit. How is she having more respect for him? If so far, four out of the five times she's seen him, she's had to save him. Right. It doesn't, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, and what? that's my biggest complaint about how they're using Superman. Right. And, and definitely that's, a, that's one of the things we've almost seen the show lift cap. I'm doing it now, Kara Kara. <laughs> Lift Kara up at Superman's expense. And she should be a strong enough character that she can rise and fall on her own merits. Well, that's the point. She is. Right. In every other aspect of this show, she is. And there is so many good things they can explore. Uh, you know, it's kind of like we've said before in, in so many other things. When people ask the question, when Kara's getting the bejeebies beat out of her by a bad guy, and somebody says, well, where was Superman? Is he just letting Kara get beat up? What? Is he going to watch her 24-7? He's not doing that. This is her show. And you have to ask that in a Flash comic. If Flash is getting beat up, where is all the other Justice Leaguers coming to help? They've all you got know? their own problems to deal with. Everybody, they've all got their own cities, their own world, their own problems. Occasionally, they get together and have little adventures together. Yay! But in a Supergirl show... In a universe where we know now that Superman exists in her world, 
That's all we need to know. We don't need to see him every week. They don't have to say every single week, oh, Superman's off here, Superman's over there, Superman on there. Periodically with him doing something it would be so cool. But if they keep using him as a weakness instead of a strength, I think they need to be more careful. They right. just need to be more careful how they use Superman, in my opinion. I think Rebecca might have a different opinion. Well, I would agree with you all. I, I think what they did in uh, uh, episode 119, Mar- Myriad, was kind of ridiculous. Like, they said Superman was off Earth. That's right. great. You know, I can go with that. We, we we even talked about that on Supergirl Radio. We were like, okay, we're cool with that. That's uh, That's all you have to say. But then when they brought him back and then had him fall under myriad was kind of like why why would you need to do that i think i've been when i've been thinking about this i i thought it was smart early on that they had superman introduced that he was the one who brought her brought car to the danvers that was smart yes it was it was it was good for them to have him help her early on in her superhero career in that third episode kind of give her encouragement and help her understand that she can do these things on her own, that she doesn't need him. And I thought that was great. Uh, but I think what they're running into is that they think when the world is at stake, everybody who is a superhero with the cape on has to be involved. And yeah. so I think what I personally want to see happen in season two is that maybe, and <laughs> with this Kryptonian pod that has popped up in the finale <laughs> at the very end, uh, with that cliffhanger, I'm like, well, I guess we're going to get some more Kryptonian stuff. And so I think that's kind of where the problem is going to come from, is that if you have all of these big Kryptonian things and these big world-ending things, then you have in your mindset as a writer, oh, does Superman need to be involved? So I think right. one of the right. easiest ways they can fix this is if they make the story smaller, if they make them just for National City, if they make them so that Kara can handle these things on her own, like Agreed. say, like Definitely, say yes. with, like say a, a story with Toy Man or a story, you know, up against anybody, Livewire, someone that she can deal with on her own and someone she can deal with in National City. And those are the stories that can benefit Supergirl because it is her show. And I think it is smart that <laughs> Superman is kind of a periphery figure that he doesn't need to be in every episode. No, no he doesn't. But he doesn't even need to be in every other episode. He could no. be there once, maybe two or three times a season. I totally He's agree. Mentioned. You know? I totally but agree. I love so that I, point there. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, uh, I just, I just think it should be smaller. Either. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. You could introduce Clark. Right. But I think it's terrific that that, and I love what you say there that that make the story smaller. That's where actually this show. You know, I love the the fighting scenes. Come on, they're they're doing some terrific. They they're doing some really good stuff on a TV budget. That I mean, two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago when she did a little flip and they went into a slow motion in the air with her hair flipping out in the cape and then she zoomed in and and oh my god that was so good and those are great but the real power of this show the stuff that has just been really touching people are the small moments those those moments on the balcony with with uh, her and cat the moments with her and win and her other characters for me for the second season uh, I'm really hoping that we see a lot more development of the men on the show. You know, um, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I was thinking of this. Right. You know, I was talking to my wife the other night and she was kind of laughing saying, uh, been there, done that. 
because <laughs> you know it's like yeah this is kind of reverse i understand i understand and i don't but i think that now that they have really established the 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 feminist fido fido credit you know all of the women are in place all of their power all of their you know the sisters the the cat all of the great women roles in this show and i don't think there's been a weak female role or character even the ones that come in for an episode or two and then you know fall off somewhere they've been really good unfortunately i want to see jimmy olsen be a photographer i just don't want him to be sitting in the office waiting for car to come in to give him a smooch that he's not going to get you know what i'm saying right I want all of the characters developed as well as Callista Flockhart has developed Cat and Melissa has developed Supergirl. And I'm hoping in the second season we'll get more of that, that he's not just, you know, a dude in distress, that he's, you know, actually a full-fledged photographer-journalist. And we see more of him. But um, Superman just doesn't need to be there. And I love the watch. Oh, oh! by the way, it's a flip-top watch. I, I had to go back and see. He pushes a button, and the little top opens up, and it's got the S-shield in it. Yep. And that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, de- I definitely do agree that Superman uh, doesn't need uh, to be there. You know, like when we're talking about their relationship, I, you know, I, I agree with you guys as far as their relationship goes. I like to see them when, the, you know, when they have a familiar relationship, maybe. Maybe he, he's like a big brother to her, not necessarily a father figure, but you know, he functions as a big, big brother. They come, they talk for a little bit once in a while, and then they go mm. off and do their own thing. They're a all- scene in the fortress, a nice quiet scene in the fortress. He's looking at his global computers, the camera. We see him from a distance from the back. We still don't see his face. She flies up, and then they just talk about Krypton or something. Right. right. So. And that, that's, that's what we're missing. We're, we're missing any kind of bond between them. Because I remember his appearance in the third episode. I, I recall that she seemed angry that he even showed up. <laughs> I was like, I'm sitting there. This is the, my first impression. I'm like, well, so I think she was angry that didn't Jimmy call yeah, him? Yeah, yeah James Jimmy. J- uh, yeah. James I think she was more call, angry at James him. calling him than him actually showing right. up. You called him. Uh, he gave me this a long time ago. If I ever got in trouble, I, I, I could contact him. But you weren't in trouble when did you even call him the second i left cara i made a promise to your cousin if, if anything ever happened to you my I'll... cousin didn't have a get out of jam free card when he first started neither should i feels like you don't believe in me of course i believe you. i wouldn't even be here if i didn't believe in you maybe you shouldn't be here at all but uh yeah point taken yeah right yeah my my initial reaction to that was you could have been killed yeah yeah and even that that's kind of where they started it the whole thing where she was able to stop reaction reactron when superman couldn't it kind of just seemed to make him ineffectual right well see that's been one of the problems and in fact though uh one of the things i think though that that and this is kind of a funny thing when uh the first time they go to the fortress when uh kara flew james there and james made the comment about how fast kara was flying tell you that you're a lot faster than your cousin no actually well you are but your your turns are kind of sharp hey no one likes a backseat flyer okay i don't i didn't take that to mean she can fly faster than superman 
I took it as a little subtle thing James was saying, you know, I'm human. You could have slowed down a little bit. Right. I think she was more saying that Superman is a little more careful when he's flying humans than you were. Well, I think in so. that universe, Superman is a little, well, even in any universe, really, as, as Kara comes to Earth so much later in life, he grew up right. with these abilities. So he, right. I think he's much more refined with them. Than she right. is. She's a little, so a I thought that was raw. just a little. I thought that was just a little fun. Yeah, uh, I, I did too. Uh, a little dig there. Uh, <laughs> I I, t- yeah. I took it the totally opposite way. I took it the you know the comic book accurate way that she actually is physically faster than him. That she has the ability to fly at a much faster speed. Um, yeah, but see, I, that's I, a modern I, I, thing, I, get, I guess. Right? That is, I think. I think either Lo- Jeff Loeb or Sterling. It's, it, yeah, it's definitely Jeff Loeb from uh, Power. Sorry. But okay, uh, yeah. it, well, and and even on Smallville, she could kind of do things before Clark did. Right. But m- most people, right. uh, most superpowered people, and most heroes could do things before Clark did. Um, but on Smallville, yeah, definitely. on Smallville. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's just part of how that story went. But I I could see it both ways with the the speed. See, I saw because Clark, you know, Clark always grew up kind of holding back. Oh, that's true. Right. So in Smallville, specific, particularly well, in Smallville. yeah, he held back until he was almost thirty in Smallville. <laughs> but but he always kind of grew up holding back so as not to not to hurt anybody i think yeah. we're seeing and see especially season one Kara just learning how to use her abilities on that level so she doesn't have the nuance that he might right saw him there and then we also discussed briefly about him the way he was handled in myriad a couple weeks ago and that that one didn't hold hold much water for me that he uh succumbed to myriad because he grew up on earth I mean, there are other characters that have been that have kind of grown up. Like take a character like Tarzan, for example. He was raised by apes. That doesn't make his brain any less human. Right. Mm-hmm. He might have different instincts, but his brain still functions as a human, uh, as the humans would. Same thing with Superman. He might have been raised on Earth with Earth's value, but the brain still functions as the Kryptonians would. So I would think it would still have the same defenses to Myriad that uh, Supergirls did. Yeah, I didn't buy that at all. I didn't buy that one bit. And maybe because I was already irritated that before they even got to that excuse when she's on the balcony pointing, oh, wait, here he comes. It's, oh, and you see this, it's super, and he flies down and he gets in line with the other little Nazi troopers. Oh, boy. And then they showed his red boots on the table at the end. Oh, please. (laughs) That was, uh, yeah, I I don't know. That maybe somebody thought it was funny, but. That's not even the only Superman thing that happened in Myriad because Maxima was there and she talked about how she tried to get Superman to be her mate and all that, all of that kind of stuff. So she right, was kind of right. used as a as a kind of a one. I was hoping that we would get to see more of Maxima in the finale, and that that didn't pan out. But uh, maybe she'll show up in a, a possible season two. But that that was you know Superman was what actually happened? what happened to her. Uh, she um she had a fight with Supergirl and that was kind of oh, it. Yeah. yeah kind of um it. but but Myriad was actually one of those episodes where Superman was mentioned and seen a lot. Right. Yeah, you know, his his presence was there a lot and and but the main two points of him being there um was just ridiculous. He's off planet, fine. That didn't affect and they could have still had Maxima say all the stuff she said about right. him. Everything else could have been the same in the story without having his red boots laying on the table or him make, you know, and they spent almost 90 seconds, two minutes or more of that show 
watching him fly in from a distant CG just to swoop down and go off in a parade and, uh, oh no. And then another minute explaining that, well, his brain is too, you know, it's not a Kryptonian brain anymore. Oh, please. That was just really bad. Before that episode aired, I think it was on Superman homepage, I saw the uh, little promo image. Kara asks, go through the fortress looking for looking for Kal-El. I was like, right. uh-oh. <laughs> I, I kind of got nervous there because, it's like, okay, they're not going to, they didn't cast him, otherwise we'd know. Right. And uh, so how are they going to, han- to handle it? And then, you know, when, uh, I think it was Kel actually talked to him in the fortress that he was off planet. I, I, took, I right. took a sigh of relief. I was <laughs> like, okay. And, and, then we, and then we get the text message from Clark. I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And then I just yeah. kinda got that sinking feeling again. Yeah. Well, I didn't even see that. I, I don't see text messages as they happen. I have to figure out what they are after the show because, right. you know, vision. But um, so a lot of that IM stuff is totally lost on me. So I did never I never saw until after the show that uh, Clark text I'm coming. I didn't I didn't even know that. Only t- the only time I knew he was coming is when they pointed on the balcony. Oh, there he is. And oh, there he goes. But um I loved Kalex, Kalex, Telex, Kalex. I think in this universe he's Kalex. Yeah, on the show they call him Kalex. Kalex. Uh, I wouldn't mind her having her own personal little robot to, you know, talk to periodically. I love the show. I don't. I don't want to oh. get that wrong. I hope people aren't getting this wrong about me griping no, because I, 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 I love this show. I, I really do. In fact, I love all of the DC shows to different degrees. You know, we're, we're talking earlier that uh, Gotham is catching a lot of crap. And I just think that's a terrific show. Oh, Gotham topic, has but. improved tremendously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really has. I just, well, I've liked the Penguin character right from the get-go. And, uh, Gotham you know, out of all of them is the best written, has the, probably has the best production values. I yeah. just don't necessarily like where they're taking some of the characters. Well, I agree with you there. I'm not crazy about some of the dark turns they've taken Jim Gordon no. down. Um, but I can use that part of my brain that says, this isn't my Batman. This is another Batman. <laughs> this is an Elseworld Batman. So, okay. Cause Alfred is really good. Cat is really good. Selena, um, you know, and to get kids, I think they've got two pretty good kids there, you know, handling Bruce and Selena. I think they're two pretty good kid actors. They're handling it pretty well. And the kid who plays Bruce, did he just have a growth spurt? I think over the so all of a sudden he looked really tall. <laughs> Yeah. I think he I think he did pick up about six, seven inches here pretty quick over the He, he over, looked just uh, as tall as that uh woman with the dinosaur hand we saw last week. Well in the last scene of last week he was standing there eye to eye with Jim Gordon. Yeah, that too. And I thought, whoa, really? But uh yeah, but he needs to fill out the next eight or nine years if he's gonna put a cowl and a cape on. He's still <laughs> a skinny little fella. Yeah, he is. But uh I didn't mean to take us down a no. <laughs> another actually, tangent. That, so. that reminds me of one episode of Supergirl that we hadn't really discussed in terms of the, the Kal-El car relationship, which was for the girl who has everything where, oh, where Kara yeah, is yes. sort of in Krypton or on Krypton and she encounters her cousin. And I, I actually thought that was the one time when Kal-El was used very effectively. And that, yes. and that actually yeah, did hit on the, the relate, you know, the kind of relationship that I want to see out of them, even though it was kind of not real, <laughs> basically right. it was caused by the black mercy. 
But that was the kind of thing that I would like to see out of Kara and Kalel's relationship. They were with their family. They were on Krypton. They were sharing Kryptonian things. So I actually really liked that episode in terms of how Cal got to show up. He even had like the little S curl and everything. So yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that one. And it was yeah, how, I like that one a lot yeah, too. I too. And I and it was how Kara was expecting to find Cal on Earth as a as a younger child, someone she'd have to look after. Because if you saw the way she she played up against him, she was very protective of of him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's a great point. Yeah, I think that was a really good scene too, and I think that's the kind of thing they could do more of if they wanted to. Little memories from Kara, little flashbacks of Krypton. It probably cost a lot in the budget, and I'm sure if <laughs> somebody turns in scripts and it's all about Krypton, the directors and producers are going to look at it. Like, I don't think so, but uh, I thought the finale looked like it ran out of money a little bit. I think it ran out of time. Yeah, it it <laughs> yeah. just seemed like it would have been a, a you know a two parter better. Uh, I think it was a little rushed, particularly the final, the the final solution. And I, I bet the pod at the end um, was added much later than the rest of the show. Hmm. That's what told me. I think they knew from that they got hints, or they were told from somebody executive somewhere that they were going to get renewed, and that's when they stuck in that last thirty seconds. Uh, not necessarily. How many shows have we seen get canceled that? plan for the next season and then get canceled. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to keep that. That's what I'm going <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, know. it's a nice thought. It, some of the yeah. interviews I've kind of interpreted some of like Andrew Kreisberg's words, like they've planned for a season two, but they still don't really technically know anything. But I think I, I can't think, imagine this show not getting picked. I, I'm up. getting I, from their interviews that they're expecting a season two. Yeah, I just can't imagine uh, it's performed better than the last three shows in that time slot. Uh, it's more than doubling Gotham. Now, granted, those are two networks ch- differences, um, and I think it's funny. There was another clickbait headline, and that we can't I all watch them both at the same time. <laughs> I know that's irritating, but uh, I'm just glad I can. At least Fox puts their stuff back up on Hulu pretty quickly. So usually by midnight, 1, 2 a.m., and I'm a night person anyway, so by 1 or 2 in the morning, I can watch Gotham before I go to bed. So uh, I can see them both all you know, in the same night. Right. And Lucifer, for crying out loud, I'm even enjoying. <laughs> so, uh, But what I was going to say, I totally forgot. <laughs> what was it? Something about Kara. Uh, like the season two renewal, we were sort of talking about that for the girl who has everything. Oh yeah. Uh, for that episode, I thought they did a decent job with that storyline. You know, as we know, that's a very famous Superman story and, but the concept worked and I really liked the way they pulled it off. I liked the kid. I liked her. In fact, I, I just liked all of that. I thought the whole solution and like you, Rebecca, I think that's a great way to use Superman because he wasn't Superman. He was little Cal. (laughs) <laughs> that's true and, and i don't know those are the kinds of ways that i think he should be used to quit my griping about because i do love the show is that just stop making superman um a throwaway thing you know it's like how can we convince people that she's really strong oh i know haven't hurt him right no that doesn't do no, it i'm sorry and it's unnecessary and it's totally unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. One other thing I would like to see in the future of the show, if it stays on long enough, uh, is to come back to the red kryptonite 
but not just have it turn her mean again or evil. There, That's become a real modern trope. And if you ask modern people, what does red kryptonite do? Oh, it turns Kryptonians bad. It gets your... No, no, it doesn't. It might sometimes, but modern people don't really know the history of red kryptonite or what it does. And I, I think there's some really great, fun stories they could tell uh, using red kryptonite to affect Kara. You know, it could be one of those little, you know how Star Trek periodically you have this real serious balance of terror, the real tense, right. crucial show. And then the next episode, you'll have the bagpipe playing and people doing the little funny dance. It's a happy, <laughs> a happy little show. If they ever want to do a little fun throwaway show, something that changes her in some way that she's afraid everyone will notice and she has to hide it. And, you know, uh, it's another topic that some modern people aren't crazy about. It's a whole secret identity thing. But um those are some fun stories. Red kryptonite affecting Superman. And how does he hide it as Clark? How does he continue to be Clark with this lion head or whatever? You know, so so uh, I would like to see them do that. I don't know. How, uh, the only thing is, I don't know how modern audiences would, would react if, you know, red kryptonite turned her into a chimp or something. <laughs> but I think that's something that they could do. They could. And that's the challenge is red kryptonite has an unpredictable temporary effect on Superman. It could be anything. It's up to the creative people to figure out some creative fun way to use it. And all they've done in the last 15 years with it is green kryptonite will kill him, but red kryptonite will make the bad guy in him come out. Right. And, you know, it does so much more and there's so much more potential there. But well, and, think- and, and it's easily fixable on the show right. to change it any way you want to because the red kryptonite on the CBS Supergirl is synthetic. So it's, it's not it's not actually something, say, from Krypton. It's something that was created on Earth so it could be manipulated. It, it could be changed. Exactly. There could There could be an actual red kryptonite that is discovered that is right. a little bit different. So there's there's all sorts of story possibilities. And the way, there. actually, the way, real quickly, the way that red kryptonite does work uh, the same way twice is on different Kryptonians. So mm. that, that chunk of red kryptonite, if it turned Supergirl bad and now Superman is exposed to it, it'll have the exact same effect on him that it had on her. So if a piece of red kryptonite's unpredictable effect, uh, like back Silver Age, makes your, makes, turns you into a lion creature, then if Supergirl is exposed to it, she's going to be a lion creature. Of that specific chunk of red kryptonite has an unpredictable effect on that specific person. So Superman is, there's even been stories in the Silver Age where it affected him in a certain way. So he now could hold it and not be affected because the same piece won't affect you twice. So he put it away so it wouldn't affect Crypto or, or Supergirl. And so just, I know, too much trivia, too much. And actually, I I thought at first that the, um, and there were obvious parallels in that episode, that the synthetic red kryptonite called more back to Superman 3 than anything else. Right. And Yeah, they definitely used that. Right. Yeah. Even even down to the peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, a lot that of people. That was kind of where I went. That. All right, we get it. Yeah, me too. I didn't. I didn't. You know, hmm, I don't know. I think it would have been a funny, you know, uh, reel at the end of the season, outtake reel or something that they were playing around with for the fans and fun. But right. for some reason, I didn't like it in the episode. It was just a little too on the nose, too, yeah. too much. It's kind of like the Christian thing in the movies with Superman. If you draw that from the character and from his story, yay. But I don't think you need to hit us over the head with it in every 
picture, every frame, every scene. And they've been beating us over the head with it since Superman Returns. And they really did. They with Superman Returns, and a lot of it in Man of Steel, yeah. and in, uh, of course, the whole gods versus humans of Batman v Superman. See, uh, I love that stuff, though. I know, I know. You I'm, do. T- I'm, t- yeah. I'm totally I opposite of you guys. I have I another. I have another friend, David Atterbury. Oh, I don't mind it. It's just. And we were talking, Dave Atterbury and I were talking about it. You know, he's a he's a real nice, you know, guy, a, you know, a man of faith. And, and uh, he loves that. He can't get enough of that. He loves every little, you know, if there's a little cross down in the corner of a scene or, you know, any kind of uh, relationship he can make with that. Me, I, I like the relationship, uh, but I'm more of uh, do it subtly. Do it so that I have to go, oh, really? Was that? Oh, that was cool. Without it just being, you know, stained glass and the angels, as he's, you know, floating (laughs) from space and holding his arms out. And the question brings then, if you're relating Superman as a Christ figure, that makes Jor-El a God figure? See, I have real problems with that. Because in my world, Jor-El, and I hated it when Marlon Brando did it. I hate it when Russell Crowe did it. And I hate it when any of them do it. Jor-El, in my mind does not send his son to earth to be the light and shining way to show them uh, earthlings how to live and where to go. They can be a great people, Kalel. They wish to be. They only lack the light to show the way. For this reason, above all, their capacity for good. I have sent them you. My only son. You will give the people of earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. He sent Kal-El here because he knew he would survive here. He had the best chance of survival here. And he gave him as much as he could for him to survive and thrive here and educate as as best he could. If you take the story, other writers have gone further to say that Jor-El even picked the Kents. Uh, Smallville experimented with that, where Jor-El actually (laughs) visited Jonathan and said, okay, this is the guy uh, later in life when he realized he had to send him. And then they closed all the portals and he had to send him in a spaceship. (laughs) <laughs> right so but you see it's writers will get themselves into trouble sometimes right. so my point is those themes are there by the very nature of the character itself the the character that jerry siegel wrote uh it, and i mentioned earlier the, the that's to me where the real beauty the heartache the the touchy feely stuff of superman is uh, is the mother putting that child, her newborn child, into a rocket and sending it off. Uh, and I think it was even know, more heartbreaking in Man of Steel when she had to be the one to actually uh, send the ship. Oh, God, that was so... That may be the best 20 minutes of a Superman mythos genre thing I have ever seen anywhere in my life was the opening to the Man of Steel on Krypton. From the crying baby giving birth at the very beginning to her after sending her son away, watching her husband be killed in front of her, knowing her planet is about to die. And she walks right into it. And the last words on her 
is that Jor-El was right and she knew it. And, and you know, people can say all kinds of things about Goyer and Snyder and, and any have. of the other people they want, and they have. That 20 minutes, that opening is just brilliant. It's well shot. It's well written. It's emotional. It shows you everything you need to know about the origin of our great hero. I did not need later in that movie for Russell Crowe to then say, You can save a cow. You can save all of them. They will follow you. Show them the way. Be the light. No, no, you don't need any of that because all of that is now assumed by the way he will then carry himself because of the lessons he has learned from Martha and Jonathan and the powers he holds dear that he got from being a Kryptonian. You don't need all of the other stuff there because those symbols are there, you know, without hitting us over the head with them. Um, well, that's interesting that you mentioned that, Bob, because that is in Man of Steel. That's kind of the uh, tearing of the two sides of Clark and Kal-El, where you have the Kryptonian side of him, where he's kind of learning about his heritage from Jor-El, the, the AI that he encounters, and then his growing up on the Kent farm. And that's actually something I think, you know, if we, if we bring it around, back around to Supergirl, that would be something I would be into seeing on the show, is that, you know, we've seen a lot of her time with the Danvers. We know about her adoptive family. We know about Eliza and their search for Jeremiah might be a thing that comes, you know, back right. into play in season two. And we we know a lot about her relationship with Alex, but we don't know how much she knows. You know, we see a little bit with Alora and Astra and Nan, but, mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe they could flash back and help us, you know, see her meet Lara, meet Jor-El, you know, um, have that connection with Superman by seeing her, you know, interact with his family on Krypton in flashbacks or something like that. Like when you were talking, I was like, well, that would be a cool way for them to play with the Kryptonian heritage and kind of tie back into Superman. If they wanted to on the show, they could introduce Lara and Jor-El because they haven't done that. We've seen Alora and we've seen Zor-El, but we haven't seen any of, you know, Cal's family. Exactly. So I, I think that would be, you know, if they, <laughs> if they send somebody from Krypton in this pod then they could easily go back and do some more Kryptonian things in, in flashback. What if it's her in the pod? You know, I toyed with that idea. Who, who, Laura? No, if it's Kara. What? Yeah, Kara. How yeah. would that work? Well, how would it be Cal? How would it be anybody? It's not going to be Crypto or Streaky. I don't think an advanced civilization is going to put a dog, you know, in, in spite of Silver Age. I don't think they're going to waste their... Uh, resources with an animal i think it has to be a a, a human of some kind a cre a, you know i don't know i don't know i don't know i've gone through everybody from it being a baby cow to being um there the reason i thought of uh, maybe kara that was my first is that, thought. Well, is that there is a story that I'm going to do, I think, four episodes from now on, on my Superman show, where um, on the way to Earth, Cal's rocket go, is hit by this thing. It's duplicated. Now, there's two Cal-Ls, and one of them lands in the – one baby lands on the farm, and the Kents raise them as normal. The other rocket – falls outside of the city and is found by uh, a couple of uh, husband and wife, two-bit con artist mobster type couple. And they raise their son to be uh, 
basically an evil Superman. They teach him how to steal when they find out he's got powers and all this stuff. And then Superboy, these are the days when there was a Superboy. Once they figure out that there is a Superboy, they make a costume for their kid. And they teach him to act like Superboy so that at one time they're going to you know, he's going to replace Superman and be the evil Superman. So the story, you parallel both the life of Superboy and the life of this evil guy. And I'm thinking, that was my first thought. When I saw her open the pod, my first thought was, it's her. It's another one of her that was somehow duplicated on way here. Pod That's was, interesting. The pod was identical. She yeah, yeah she, she, does, she does. She does specifically say that a lot of people um, have sent us uh, at Supergirl Radio. We've gotten speculations from, you know, Power Girl. Somebody even mentioned uh, possibly Allura, which I don't think that's even mm. I, I, I wouldn't do that if it was me, just because no. I think that kind of erases some of the emotion that's kind of come with season one. But I, w- I think Power Girl or someone so you know like that who could be an ally for supergirl would sort of help with the superman issue on the show because if she has someone like a power girl who can kind of come in and help her with things then you don't need superman to always show up she but could call- bring up the same problem every well, issue if she's getting beat where's power girl to come in and save right. her it it could but <clears throat> i think and who's gonna ju- play power girl when it- <laughs> In the comics, technically, it's the same person, just from different worlds. True. And I I think that would be really fun to see Melissa Benoist be able to do that. Um, They give her a different costume. Yeah, yeah. I don't like Power Girl's costume. Me, Not me either, but but I'm open up. (laughs) I'm open to (laughs) it, but it's not my favorite. But I think if you give her more allies on the show, like like with Barry on The Flash, you know, he's got several people who he can call on if he needs some help. So it doesn't always have to be the Green Arrow. It doesn't always have to be Cisco or whatever. He can kind of call on other people. So I think that would sort of help the Superman situation if she has someone else like I'm pushing for like a bad girl, Barbara Gordon, maybe or something of that nature where she can kind of call somebody if she needs help. Hopefully she would never need help. (laughs) Right. I'm guessing those Arrow couldn't use Oracle. Supergirl can't use Barbara Gordon. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think there's there's probably something in it. But I'm I'm just saying like it would be great for her to start making super friends yeah, on the show. I think the pod thing is gonna be more of conflict than um than, than help. help. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's 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 not gonna be somebody that oh yay. No, that's setting, I think it's that's setting up the storyline for next season. Yeah, I think it, it could be somebody that at first she's oh yay, and this will be fun. But I don't know. That's why I think it's going to be a younger version of herself somehow. Mm. Something is going to be – something happened. So it duplicated her little pod somehow. Um, and now – because just there's all the tormail. What does she do? She take her back to the Danvers and they raise her again. And then she turns bad. And how quickly does she grow up? So who knows what's in that pod? It could just be an empty pod with a costume in it. Who knows? <laughs> they've, they've teased us enough they've got a lot going on there's a lot of people talking about it but it could be anything in that part i don't want it to be streaky or crypto though as much as i love both of those characters you don't you don't need a pod to do that you don't need a pod to do that right exactly exactly you know yeah that i think that would kind of take it a down the little road towards silliness, which we don't want either. No, well, I wouldn't I, mind her having a cat. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, you should, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think she can have a cat in her apartment, and then right. if she if that cat just exists, that cat's name is Streaky. That's fine. Streaky, exactly. Streaky exactly. doesn't have to have superpowers, although that would be awesome and fun. But there's Streaky, your, there's can, your red kryptonite episode. 
There it is. There, Red Kryptonite. There, there you go. There you go. Transfers her powers into her pet cat. We just and wrote for, an episode. There it is. <laughs> I'd watch that. I would, I would too. <laughs> and you know what? My five-year-old daughter would watch that too. Yes, you would. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get her into the show, but she'll watch for a few minutes and then walk away. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just so thrilled with the show. I'm. Uh, you know, we live in good times, and I know a lot of us geeks like to nitpick and we like to pull out little little things because you know we bring a lot of baggage sometimes to right. these shows. And and I think that's why for me it's real easy to watch Gotham because it is so different than any other version of Batman ever. And so I can turn my little brain and go, all right, let's see where this takes yeah. me. You know, wait a minute, you're supposed to be with Barb. Okay, never mind, never mind. Go with <laughs> it. What do they do? Let's see what they're going to do with it. But when it comes to Superman family, I think the baggage is a little tighter. The handcuffs are a right. little stronger. And, and I think that's know? part of the reason why so many people had is having trouble with Man of Steel and BVS, especially Man of Steel. Snyder went in there asking us to check all of our baggage at the door, and right. a lot of a lot of people couldn't do that. That's why we got the outcry over the way Jonathan Kent was and right. and, and all that. So, no. I don't think I'll ever stop talking about those two movies. No. I, I, I think it's just, it's one of those things that particularly, well, I was going to say particularly Man of Steel because after Superman Returns, I wasn't sure we'd ever see Superman on the big screen again. And then we see Man of Steel and Henry Cavill is just incredible. You know, there are little nitpicks and big nitpicks and all kinds of nits to pick with both of those movies. Right. But again, overall, I still give them both solid Bs. I enjoyed it. Rebecca and I, you, we've talked about it uh, a couple times. And I could, uh, I could keep talking about it. I know. And you've seen it <laughs> enough that you probably have it oh, memorized. Yeah. Now. I'm, I'm I'm gonna, Did you see it again today? Yeah, I've seen it 12 times. I'm going to go back again in the morning. So, wow. uh, <laughs> what do you look I, for now when you go so many times? What are you looking for? Are you looking for little things? Are you just enjoying scenes again? That Yeah, I'm, you know? I'm, try, I'm trying to look at things that I'm not normally looking at. Like if there's a shot in the Batcave, I try to look at a different part of the frame that I mm -hmm. haven't been looking at. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to kind of try to see something from a different angle now, but I'm just trying to enjoy it before it goes out of the theater since I can see right. it once a day for free until it leaves. So yeah. I'm, well, we'll I'm just trying to take advantage of it. Yeah, in a couple of months, I'll have my Blu-ray and I'll sit six inches away from my 40-inch screen and I'll be stopping it and going, wait a minute, what was that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the weird I, thing about that movie is it's either a half hour too long or an hour too short. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I could have, you know, it's a long movie, two and a half hours, but uh, I didn't want it to end. You know, I, I wanted to go, well, what about? And almost every, I kept going, well, wait a minute. What about? I want to see that. Let's go back to that again. Right. And uh, so there are things that they took chances with and they made some decisions that, you know, I, I, I could talk about ad infinitum, I guess. But right. uh, uh, it's the thing we do as Superman fans. And some of us carry a lot of baggage right. in and. You know, um, um, I, you know, I still carry my baggage. I, oh, it took I me, man, it took me years to get over John Byrne's Superman, Man of Steel. Years to get over that. And I think it's funny. I was having a conversation with Michael Bailey, and he didn't realize until he got on the Internet that there was a generation like me that really did not like John <laughs> Byrne's Man right. of Steel at all when it happened. Because to guys your age, that is your Superman. That's what that did it for you. That was, you know, yeah. And, and I understand that, but for me, 
It was like they took everything I loved in that character and ripped it from him and said, okay, now we're starting over. And this is the guy you really going to like. Cause that other guy was stupid. No, he wasn't. He was fun. So well, I'm we, having fun. We, we, we got there. it all done to us with the new 52 now. So now we know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Do you, uh, do you all feel that way about Supergirl? Like when you watch it, do you, do you, do you have baggage in terms of the Supergirl character? I did with the new 52 Supergirl, yeah. but not with not with the Supergirl TV show. No. Okay. The Supergirl TV show is is better than I expected her to be. I did not think they were going to find the kind of girl who could play the character of Supergirl, who could give you that kind of goofy Kara, almost snort laughter, yeah. and then turn it on and be this wholesome, do-the-right-thing, wonderful girl. No, no, no. The new 52... Everything from waist down in her costume was terrible. Her attitude was terrible. I'm sorry. You come to a strange planet and now another Kryptonian shows up. You're going to hug him and say, what is going on? You're not going to try to beat the crap out of him. Sorry. They really messed her up in the new 52. Right. Hopefully they're bringing her back. They are bringing back uh, a new Supergirl title with Rebirth. And from right. everything I understand, the costume will be closer to uh, Melissa Benoist's costume. It'll have a skirt. It'll look decent. It won't. And it'll be based more of this type of character, not this hothead angst who'd rather fight everybody than figure out what's going on. Well, I don't know if, if any of you guys have seen the most, the two most recent Superman issues, Superman 51 and the recent uh, Batman Superman issue. I've read 51, but not Batman Superman yet. Oh. I know a little of 51, but I haven't read it yet. Okay. <clears throat> well, to, to make a long story short, I'll try to spoil as little as possible, but <laughs> Superman in Batman Superman 51, Superman is looking for Fakara because he hasn't seen her in forever. So Batman actually does track her to, or this is a slight spoiler, he tracks her to National City and she's at the DEO. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I've heard oh, about cool. that. Oh, cool. So they are starting to integrate the elements even before uh, Oh, cool. Okay, good. Good. So if they give her an attitude adjustment and a better costume, I'm back on board with Supergirl. Right. And that was the problem I had with, with, the, with their relationship in the new 52. Here, here right. she is. She shows up out of the blue. She's on this. Well, we, we get it. She's on this strange world. Right. She's, she doesn't know the language. She's terrified. Here comes somebody who does know the language. And because he's 30 years older than or maybe 25 years, this is supposed to be a younger Superman. Right. Because he's 25 years younger than she expects him to be, her first instinct is to punch him in the jaw. Right. And I've lost count of how many times they played that out. Yeah. And and her story is so good in the New 52. In that first six pages, I thought, bingo. Because I actually felt what it must feel like <laughs> to be a teenager because she didn't even have a choice in this. Her father knocked her out, put her in a ship, and send her off. Right. With, you know, uh, recorded devices to let her know what's going on. So, yeah, I love that aspect of it. And I thought, okay, they've got a lot to build on here. Right. And all they did was make her angry and fight people. So uh, I felt the turmoil. I felt her angst in the beginning in spite of hating that costume from the waist down. Yeah, and besides, so the, and besides the costume issues aside, for the beginning of the New 52, that that was my favorite book out of the Superman family. She had, she probably had the uh, the best story going out of whatever they were trying to do with Superman at the time. They went through like six creators other than Grant Morrison. Yeah. Went through all those yeah. creators in the main Superman title. Her story was the most consistent. 
Yeah. Except well, well I loved except, action. Action was my favorite well, yeah. of the new fifty two. And uh, But then as Grant Morrison does, he gets all trippy. <laughs> well, I like I like trippy. I'm a sci-fi guy too. I like my Superman to have some sci-fi in him. And uh, some people don't. They want him a little more grounded. No pun intended. I wish they had never named that story arc grounded just before the end of the old Superman. Because now you can't say that without thinking of that really bad story. No. That story had some good moments, but overall it was really bad. Yeah. What's up for you guys on the Supergirl? Supergirl, she'll be back in September. Well, we don't know. We don't. I was going to say she'll be back in September, but we don't know. I'm a smile. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't know. Um, in season one, it started in late October, so they yeah. may bring her back then. Not sure. Um, What's Supergirl Radio going to do uh, for the off season? Well, for the off season, currently we're going to be covering uh, Adventures of Supergirl still every other week, whenever it comes out, and we may do some special episodes here and there, kind of diving into some comic stuff. And we haven't totally decided yet, but we're definitely going to be following Adventures of Supergirl, and that's actually been really fun. And now that we've been talking, I was like, I wonder if you know Clark Kent or Superman could ever show up in something like this instead of on the right, show right, right. um i don't i don't know I, I if i get a chance to talk to sterling gates gates again i might bring that up with him just uh you know hopefully adventures of supergirl will get to continue past these uh first 13 issues and we'll get more of this on down the line because we've really been enjoying it. So um, yeah, I've been I, enjoying that Supergirl comic too, the digital first. I've yeah, been enjoying yep, that yep. too. And yeah, some of the so artwork it, has just been so fun. You can actually see Melissa Benoist, her body language, some of the captions and the, the motions and the movements they put the character in the comic in. You can just see Melissa doing that. Yeah, I think they're doing a really good job with that. Yeah, the comic has been really great, and it would be a cool way to introduce Clark or Superman. And they've done some things that I, I wish you know could be done on the sh- on the actual series uh, because they've been fun little stories. Yeah, and I don't see why some of these things can't be done in the series at this point because we've already heard Jeff Johns talk about how much of it's a multiverse, right? So apparently. That means we can get different versions of it. Oh, absolutely. Once you go along, Johnny Carson used to say, if you buy the premise, you buy the bit. And <laughs> if you buy the premise of the multiverse, then pretty much anything you pull out of there should be able to work in the right writer's hands. So they've got anything they want to do. Their imagination is the only thing limiting them. And they did that so well in the Flash Supergirl crossover <clears throat> just before he jumped in the tunnel funnel bundle thing the, <laughs> and said uh, don't look at anything what don't look at what every because you'll see everything i forget the wording but it was so good uh ignore whatever you see and what will i see everything right and so as he's going through it we're seeing all these cool things happening and i'm thinking okay you could kind of stop at any one of those scenes and let me tell me that story right now right. so that once you've got the multiverse you believe in the multiverse then Anything is possible. And Melissa Benoist as Power Girl is possible. You know, a Superman from Earth-23, that's the Superman they could bring in. The black guy, uh, Calvin Ellis from the comics. I hadn't even thought about that. They could bring in another Earth Superman. Exactly. And tell so his it, story. That's, it that's could a be good any, idea. Anybody. You know, once they've done this now, that Flash has crossed into the Supergirl universe, and they're separate, but now they... 
you've proven you have access to telling pretty much any story in the multiverse you want to do. So I'm, I, there's no way they're not going to bring this sucker back. They, they, they have to, <laughs> no, they, yeah. it will not stop now. So how about some, uh, what's up, Rebecca, just some final, some final thoughts. Well, I have been enjoying Supergirl on CBS and I uh, would like to see it continue. And I I do appreciate uh, you all's thoughts on the Superman issue because I know it has been a little bone of contention among Superman fans and has been an issue uh, with us on Supergirl Radio a little bit and with some of our listeners. So it's a good issue to explore and it's something I think the writers have been trying to find the, the right way to address it and hopefully moving forward they can find a, a better way to incorporate or not incorporate him and hopefully super supergirl can find her footing to where maybe she doesn't need him as much uh but maybe sometime like bob mentioned you know if we if, if we're blessed enough to get like four seasons maybe he can show mm-hmm. up later on down the road but i do think it's an issue that you know could be tweaked and, and made better but overall i'm really really happy with the show all right, uh, Bob. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much there too. I uh, I love the show. I love the cast. You know, I think they're doing some really really good things with most of the characters. But their handling of Superman has been well. I'll just say it's been really bad overall. They've done it two or three times where I thought, okay, that's how you do it. He's off planet. I don't think about him again because in those episodes where he's not mentioned at all. I don't think of him. I'm not sitting there thinking, okay, she just did a shirt rip. Now she's going out to fly and meet up with Superman to take care of the bad guy. No, I don't think of him at all. So if me, me, Bob Fisher, watching Supergirl, I don't think of Superman until they say Superman, blah, 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 or off planet or Clark IMs him. He doesn't need to be there. If I'm not thinking about him, he doesn't need to be there <laughs> right let her have her own show and once two maybe three times a year if you're going to do 20 shows a year every fourth or fifth show an im message with him just saying hey great job with so and so or this or that and a little smile thank you that's all we need to know we don't need him to be there because it's such a good show on its own develop the other characters yeah definitely you know, i like to see more development for it Jimmy and James. Yeah. He'll always, Jimmy he's always going to be Jimmy to me. <laughs> well, he's going to be Jimmy to me, too. And I love it that Lucy called him Jimmy. And there are other characters that periodically have called him Jimmy. And he didn't bat an eye and didn't go, oh, right. I'm James now. So <laughs> right. he, He's I, James the grown man, Olsen. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. who he is now. Yeah. And uh, I like the character. I think it's fine. And I think, uh, and I've said this before, too, that the character in Superman's um cast of characters the character of jimmy olsen i think is the one character that you can have the most fun with you can play he can be pretty much any type of a of that kind of a character that you want from the kind of goofy little bow tie sidekick to someone with a little more uh gravitas uh he's still not the main guy uh and I think he works fine i have no problem with this character characterization of James, the grown man, Olsen. The one thing because he's got a signal watch. Yeah, <laughs> you know the one. The one thing that stuck out at me about James, especially early on, they backed away from this a little bit, is how he came to National City to, to get away from Superman. Right now, here he is in National. So again, Superman was kind of that 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 same bugaboo. We're trying to get. We're trying to distance ourselves from him. Right. 
you know. So, yeah, they moved away from that. Yeah, they, they 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 did, and I was glad to see that. But and come on, that had to be even in the pilot, which tried to jam a lot of stuff in, and for good reason. It's again, it's the pilot is not for us. It's to show execs that hey, this is what we want to do. So you know, I have no problem with pilots not being perfect. Right. But there were several really good on the money scenes and uh then when he gives her that box that's got superman's cape in it right um oh come on that was great <laughs> you know and little things like that and i just love melissa benoist i think she is just just perfect no, she's, she's just she, she absolutely is. perfect she's great yeah all right so i guess my turn now <laughs> your turn <laughs> right. yeah so like I said, as far as the superman issue he has he hasn't been hand, it hasn't been handled very well you know, even from the beginning of the show, I always wondered how they would they would deal with it because, but like it or not, Supergirl is derivative of him. So, uh, yeah, I, I was almost at first kind of hoping for, I don't know if you've read this comic, Rebecca, but I know Bob has. I believe it's Superman 145, the imaginary story where Luther kills Superman. 149. 149, I know. Mm. You know, and I checked that yesterday too, so I wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> that was also the last 10 cent superman issue by the way it went up to 12 cent with 150 <laughs> you have such a good memory <laughs> uh, uh and i'm working on a show for that particular right. issue that'll be two shows from now will be that he remembers that a, two, a quarter still got him two comics probably once it went to 15 that didn't work anymore <laughs> but but anyway because i i liked at the end of that how she came out and i kind of you know, kind of sometimes almost wish they'd gone this route where something had happened to him. And then, she Oh, where they just killed him in this universe where right. he just doesn't even exist anymore. Right. And mm-hmm. then she comes out and that kind of helped helps the, fa- the fact that James has come to national city too. Right. Because he would, he, he was grieving. So he, he kind of ran away mm-hmm. and then he, and then he kind of meet, meets her about that. And she's coming out to kind of honor him like Supergirl did in that story. Well, if you think fandom was going crazy at the mention of him not being there periodically, imagine if they had started off with him being dead, doesn't even exist in this universe. Well, well, fandom's going to go off either way, so it's like, take your poison. But, you know, like I said, I hope they handle him better in the future. And, you know, I think eventually they're probably going to have to bite the bullet and show him in some capacity. You You know, for as much as I enjoyed seeing her fight beside Martian Manhunter, when she was out there fighting, fighting Non and Indigo, I really felt it was Superman's place beside her. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that because that was a Kryptonian fight. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have seen that would have been a time to bring to bring Superman in for that. But that until have, they but, figure but that, out who's going to do him, that's going to be a tough one. But, you know, even in the finale, they, you know, what what happened to all those other Kryptonians? Oh, they're hiding on Earth. They're, I mean, they're around. Good question. You know, they're around. I mean... Have you both seen Young Justice? Yes. Okay. It's been a while, but yes. They've always kind of accounted for the Justice League as dealing with this other part of the problem. Right. So just a throwaway line, Superman is out dealing with this. Right. And we don't need to see him again. Or Superman's not available because Metallo is trashing the city for the fourth time this week. <laughs> Some something like something like that. He's unavailable. This is why. Right. And well, they do have that in that other scene where um, all of the Kryptonians are floating around in a circle above everybody. Uh, I guess it was in the episode where um, uh, Lexus killed, um, um, not Allura. Oh, Astra? 
Astra that uh, all those other Kryptonians just floating around up there and then they all flew off. They're around somewhere. That's true. But to me, out of sight, out of mind, right. I'll let them figure out how they're going to do it later. I'm not going to worry too much about no. that. But, you know, especially in the in the finale, especially when you know, he's laying on the table showing the boots, even by then they ran out of excuses. I, mm-hmm. I recall them saying, well, we don't we don't know why he's still unconscious. Yeah. Apparently the writers have run out of excuses. And if they've run out of excuses, they don't need him to be there anyway. That's my problem with Zack Snyder killing Jimmy Olsen for fun in Batman v Superman. If you're not going to use him, if you're not going to use him in future movies, and that's what you've stated, then just don't mention him. Don't bring him in. Don't bring him as a character just to kill him. So that you know, and they've done that with Superman in Supergirl. If you don't need him in the story, don't mention him. Just tell the story but to mention him then to make him look weak uh is in my mind poor writing and it doesn't look good for either of the characters you know no. so and so, and you know sometimes it feels like we're fighting superman's battle anyway why uh, give the other side more ammunition one thing i think in the finale they could have used martian manhunter better for uh was when supergirl picks up uh the prison to then fly it into space well, physics, you know, she should have been on one side and him on the other. He can fly. He's got super strength, you know. It would have been very cool if the two of them had flown Fort Ross up into space and thrown it and um, or, you know, thrown it into the sun or whatever. That they scene is its own rabbit hole. But again, yeah, exactly. With her in space. And again, yeah, exactly. That brings up another whole. They mishandled that, too, yeah. I think. You know, I don't know. The finale was weird in a way because it was very good and head scratching at the same time thinking, come on, you know better than that. Particularly when they mention something in one part of the show and then contradict it in another part. Right. He's off planet. But did he wear a spaceship to go off planet? How did he go? Oh, but she's off planet and she can't breathe. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So little those are little things. Disclaimer, we like the show. Yes, we love the show. We love the show. We do like the show. Stop me. Help. So, Rebecca, where can people find you? Well, you can find me uh, with my Supergirl podcast at supergirlradio.com. You can find all of our links there. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at Supergirl Radio. We have uh, a Spotify playlist now where you can actually listen to music from the show or songs about Supergirl. So you can find a Supergirl radio playlist on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're pretty much and anywhere you need to find a podcast. We are probably there. Um, but you could also follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And I also have some YouTube videos. I have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. I have a lot of different types of videos, travel videos. I documented my 5K training experience. I have a lot of Dragon Con videos. Um, so pretty much any time I want to document something in my life, I put it up on YouTube. So I do that there. All right, and uh, how about you, Bob? Well, you can find me at Superman Forever Radio. That's at supermanforever.com. That's my main podcast for Superman. Uh, I'm also doing a fun monthly thing with John M. Wilson. He and I are taking a look at the Silver Age of Superman through the giant 80-page giant annuals. So uh, those are coming out once a month. Uh, Those are called the – what is that called? The Giant Superman Podcast. (laughs) Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, John got me back into my – 
back into my joy of comic reading. So I, it's just been a blast pulling those out and reading those stories and, you know, going back to 1960 again. So that was, that's fun. So uh, those are my two places. The main one, Superman Forever Radio podcast and the Giant Superman podcast. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been listening to both. I, I'm not the biggest Silver Age guy in the world, but I am, <laughs> right. I am enjoying listening to uh, you and John talk about them. And I've been reading along too. Oh, good. So good. I've so I've been enjoying. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I sit there and roll my eyes, but I'm enjoying the fact that you guys don't <laughs> don't take them uh, too seriously. No, no, no. We're having a lot it of is. fun with those things. We're just they, you know, uh, yeah. We're having fun. You can't take them too seriously. And it literally is a giant Superman podcast. Oh God! They, they would, clock in about three hours a pop. Oh, and those are the edited versions, and we do them. <laughs> We really thought at first that we would be able to do one 80-page giant per 90-minute episode. The two of us started talking in the very first one. We were three stories in, and it hit the two-hour mark and thought, oh, we need to rethink this. So now we basically do two episodes per 80-page giant, roughly four stories per episode. Thanks for bringing me on to this. And it's always fun talking to Rebecca. Yay, Rebecca! Oh, same same here. I've enjoyed uh, speaking with you guys tonight and getting to talk about Superman and Supergirl. Well, I would like to thank Rebecca and Bob for joining me on this episode. I'm going to take a quick break, play another promo, and I'm going to come back with some final thoughts. Hang around. My name is Bob Fisher. And I host a podcast called Superman Forever Radio. In every episode, I'll take an aspect of this character's long history and talk about it. From 1938 to the present day. From the comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons. Superman has been part of my life for over 50 years. And if you'd like to know why, join me for each and every episode of Superman Forever Radio. So point your favorite podcatcher to Superman Forever Radio. That's Superman Forever Radio, supermanforever.com. Welcome back, folks. That was, uh, that was a great discussion, wasn't it? Some very uh, different ideas and some very good ideas. I think we all have our view on how Superman can be used better going forward in the show. So. That's going to be it for this first episode of Man of Screen Extra. Next time, I'm going to discuss, and maybe I'll bring somebody else on. I don't haven't none of those plans have been nailed down yet. I'm going to discuss the latest DC animated film, Justice League versus Teen Titans. Now remember, feedback is always welcome. You can email the show at manofscreen at gmail.com. You can find the show's Facebook page. Just search for the Man of Screen podcast. I'm also on iTunes, and you can write me a nice little iTunes review, or a mean little iTunes review, depending on how you feel about the show in general, right there. And uh, the homepage for the show is manofscreen.podomatic.com. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. So until next time, take care, everybody. Have a good one. The 
The Man of Screen podcast is produced by Mike Zemo, and all opinions on the show are those of Mike Zemo and no one else. All music and sound clips used in the making of this show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All trademarks are copyright their original copyright holders. The Man of Screen podcast is a member of the Superman Podcast Network and can be found at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. The homepage for the show is manofscreen.podomatic.com and you can email the show at manofscreen at gmail.com Thanks for listening.